Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. In Nicomachean Ethics, Book 9, Aristotle approaches something that he started discussing in Nicomachean Ethics, Book 8, in terms of friendship. Namely, should the friendship continue when the friends change? And we don't mean changing just a little bit, but changing in ways that are significant, that, that put a strain on the friendship, that perhaps uh, introduce tensions or conflicts into the friendship. And for Aristotle, he doesn't seem to consider cases where, you know, it's a familial relationship. You're kind of stuck with family and they will change over time. And that's not something he, he worries particularly about. He does say it's possible for a son to be disowned by his father, but not vice versa. But he doesn't follow that up. What we're more interested in are cases in terms of these three fundamental goods that Aristotle has used to distinguish types of friendship. And he says, this actually happens quite often in terms of certain kinds of friendships. You know, the basis for the relationship changes, particularly when it's a matter of usefulness, to some theron or to chrysimon, or pleasure, hedone, to hedus. Those sorts of things are by their nature rather shifting. He gives the example of, of younger people, this is coming up in book eight, where he says that they're, they're really driven primarily by pleasure, so they have a lot of friendships based on pleasure. You know, you see kids on the playground playing with each other and saying, hey, meet my new friend, right? And they're, they're friends because they enjoy that activity together, but they can quickly break up as well and cease being friends because the pleasures not only are fairly fleeting, but as children grow, they begin to appreciate different pleasures and to leave more childish pleasures behind. Let's give you an example from my own children. A frequent comment when it came to certain television shows that we used to watch together, I as the adult having to watch the show but getting something out of it, and then the kid, you know, being very, very happy with the show. Later on, I'd say, hey, you want to watch this? You want to watch that? And both of my kids would say, that's for babies. I don't watch that sort of thing anymore. I hate Elmo. I used to love Elmo, but now I hate Elmo. Or, you know, pick whatever you want. That's pretty common. And as people age, their pleasures change. And so, you know, Aristotle thinks that it's perfectly reasonable if you're in a relationship that is fundamentally based on sharing pleasures together, if you no longer get that pleasure out of it, why should you continue the relationship? Aristotle doesn't see there being sort of a sense of duty to just, you know, maintain contact, stay in touch, see the person socially so that you can remember the friendship that you had. He doesn't say that you couldn't do that, but he thinks that it's quite reasonable for us to, to break up relationships that no longer serve us in that way. We, were, we weren't friends with the person on the basis of who they are at their core identity. We're friends with them on, on the basis of the pleasure that they provided them with us. Uh, same thing with usefulness. That, he says, makes perfect sense. There is a problem that he talks about, and this is really worth thinking about. Like I put here, this is a frequent issue. This is a frequent sub-issue. He says, a man may well complain if, though we really liked him for the profit or pleasure he afforded, we had pretended to love him for his character. This happens a lot. Um, people tell each other that they are, are friends with each other on the basis of their character, who they are, that they're going to be friends forever, friends no matter what happens. 
And really what they're doing is they're just trying to get something out of it. I'll give you a sort of common example that I saw when I was in college, something that I found quite painful to watch year after year after year. There were these you know, older guys, generally juniors and seniors, quite often within some sort of club or fraternity, and they were just waiting for the new crop of freshman students to come in fresh out of high school, fairly naive, lots of young girls who then these guys would immediately connect up with and start sweet-talking and tell them how interested they were in them and, and how they found them so beautiful, so fascinating. All these sort of characteristics, right? And you say, well, that, that's primarily a matter of pleasure, and they're going to be exchanging pleasure once they're involved romantically. But really what was going on is these guys were telling these girls how great they were as persons. And these girls were quite happy happy to hear that coming in as freshmen suddenly there's somebody and you know somebody who matters on campus is paying attention to him and you could tell that the way that these guys talk they had no regard for these girls at all and shortly after sleeping with them they would give them the cold shoulder and that would be the end of it and it led to a lot of recriminations some of the guys had contests about this sort of thing with each other i always found that sort of thing disgusting and tried to warn some of the girls about that, but quickly gave, gave up because uh, it was just a dynamic that would keep on happening. Well, that's an example of somebody deliberately misleading another person about the basis for the friendship and then breaking off the, the friendship. Aristotle says that it's possible for us to be misled. It's also possible for us to mistake things, to mislead ourselves. So he says, as was said at the outset, differences between friends most frequently arrive when the nature of their friendship is not what they think it is. When a man has made a mistake and has fancied that he was loved for his character, without there having been anything in the friend's behavior to warrant that assumption, he has only himself to blame. So if, it, if the person didn't lead us on, if they didn't tell us things that really were stretching the truth or just weren't true at all, then it's our fault if we get that wrong. And we shouldn't be so naive as to think think that people who are just business contacts really love us for who we are. I mean, they may use that vocabulary in the business context, you know, in sales or in networking events, but we should know better. We should be smarter than that, Aristotle thinks. We shouldn't be naive. Similarly with romantic relationships, it's, it's tough, especially when we're young, but we should probably be a little bit more guarded and not give in to our hormones and hopes, right? So if we're misled by it, or if we're mistaken, that's our own fault. What if somebody else misleads us? Aristotle says this is a very bad thing. He says, when he's been deceived by his friend's pretense, there is ground for complaint against the deceiver. Okay, that's fairly neutral. In fact, this person is a worse wrongdoer than those who counterfeit the coinage. That was a bad thing in ancient times. That would get you killed, right? Counterfeiting coinage. Insofar as his offense touches something much more precious than money. So if counterfeiting coinage is bad, or for example, in academic context, if plagiarism is a despicable action that, in, in essence, passes off somebody else's work as one's own, it's in effect theft, right? Deceiving somebody about the basis for their friendship is even more despicable. It's deliberately counterfeiting the coinage of friendship or love. And so Aristotle thinks that we should be quite condemning of that sort of behavior. Now, another topic that he talks about in this issue is, well, what should we do about the good person who becomes bad? 
How should we treat a person who we are connected with and are friends with because they are in fact a genuinely good person? What happens when they slide down the slippery slope or you know maybe a very bumpy slope, lots and lots of points along the way, and become a, a bad person? Aristotle says, well, this is tricky. There's two ways we could look at this. One is that it would be reasonable to cut them loose and say, I can't be friends with you anymore because we don't really have anything in common. We're no longer on the same page, morally speaking. And as a matter of fact, because you're a bad person, I shouldn't be friends with you. I should not be loving what is bad. This is an Aristotelian take on things. So it would be reasonable to break off the, the friendship in that case. He does also suggest another possibility, though, and this is quite interesting. He says, maybe we actually have a duty to try to help that friend. He says, perhaps we should not break it off in every case, but only when our friends have become incurably bad. So long as there's some possibility of our friend making their way back to goodness, perhaps with us as some sort of contributory cause or a support system or providing resources, something like that, we should in fact help them. And he makes a really great argument here. He says, so long as they're capable of reform, we're even more bound to help them morally than we would be to assist them financially. Why? Because character is a more valuable thing than wealth and has more to do with friendship. So if we really value that person for who they are and not now they start to become a bad person, but they could be steered back towards goodness. Aristotle says, look, you'd help out a friend in, in bad financial circumstances, and that's extrinsic goods. You're talking now about who that person is in themselves. So you think about, for example, friends who are going through difficult times, the things that often take a toll upon us, like divorces, for example, or deaths, or losses of position and, and jobs. These are things that for people who are not completely virtuous, and that includes myself, by the way, speaking from experience here, those can really throw a person for a loop. A person might say, well, screw it, being a good person doesn't help me at all. It's a kind of common reaction. What do we do with a friend like that? So long as we think that they have some possibility, some real possibility, not just some abstract, imaginary possibility of coming back into the fold, we should try to, to extend a hand to them and help them out because character is more valuable than money. The last thing that Aristotle talks about this last discussion has to do with, well, what about when we have the opposite happen? The friend doesn't go from being good to being bad, but the friend goes from being maybe, you know, sort of good to being superlatively good. Or the friend goes from just being a, you know, run-of-the-mill kind of person to being somebody who's a major player. There's some sort of drastic change in superiority. He says, suppose one friend to have remained the same while the other has improved and become greatly the superior in virtue. Should, should the latter keep up the friendship? And Aristotle says, it's tough to say. The wider the gap, the less there is a basis for friendship there, or the friendship of the original sort. So he says that this is really clear, like when two people who were friends in childhood, one may have remained a boy in mind, while the other is a man of the highest ability. How can they be friends when they have different tastes and different likes and dislikes? They will no longer even enjoy each other's society. But without this, we can't really have a friendship. So you start out, you know, in your small town and you've got your circle of friends that you, you know, do these fun activities with after school, during high school. 
and now you go off to college and they stay behind and some of them actually engage in intellectual life on their own say through YouTube right and the others just hang around and drink and watch TV right after a while you come back and you're like yeah I don't really have that much in common with these people anymore I really liked them but now it's kind of awkward when we get together at the bar over Thanksgiving right you've lost that basis for the friendship and the same thing can happen to us as well if we just sit still and other people develop so he says how should we behave then towards these people he says are we to behave towards a former friend in exactly the same way as if you've never been our friend perhaps we ought to remember our past intimacy and just as we think it right to show more kindness to friends than to strangers maybe we should pay some attention to the person but they're no longer friends in that case and so there's a lot of times when a change in the persons change in the kind of persons that we're talking about can actually produce a breakdown or you know an irrevocable break to the friendship special thanks to all of my patreon supporters for making this podcast possible you can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.